there are two types of karma. Individual karma and collective karma. Individual karma and collective karma. You as a human being are a singular unit, but you are also part of a unit that is beyond you. True or false? True or false? True or false? Do you know? If you know your last name is Obi, right? Do you know that just by being born into the Obi family, there are things that you have inherited by birth, both good and bad. Do you know that? Just by being born into the Obi family, there are things that you have inherited for free. For free. Without a dime. For free. Morgan, do you know that just by being born in the Morgan family, there are things that you have inherited for free? Daniel Odekunde, do you know that being born into the Odekunde family, there are things that you have inherited for free? There are profits that you are paid for, like me, for example, I give an example. I said, something my parents did brought favor to me in my own lifetime. I was enjoying the fruit of the labor of my parents. Have you not seen families where the parents do very bad things and the shame translates even to the children as well? That the moment that name is called, doors close for you immediately. Have you, have you guys ever heard of something like that? Have you guys ever heard of something like that? Now, these are just the more obvious ones. All these ones are very obvious. I want to talk about the more intricate ones. When a person has mental problems and they go to the hospital, what's the first thing they ask? The doctor asks, asks, asks the people who brought the person. What's the first thing the doctor asks when you bring a mental patient to the, to the psychiatric hospital? Indeed. Is there any history of mental illness in the family? Telling you that the mental illness that a parent has doesn't stop with them. It can also continue in the child that they engender. And without the child even knowing, the mistakes of the parent passes down to me. I was with my friend Sam. How many of you know Sam Wanda, you know? I went to meet him. I mean, I if, if you've seen Sam, Sam looks like, you know what they call it, a specimen. <laughs> like, his stomach is like stone, like, ah, ah. And he does not go to the gym, but his own body, everything is like, ah, ah. I said, ah, what? What is the meaning of this? Marvel, natural muscle, this is like, <laughs> these are Igbos called Ik. <laughs> She's like everywhere, muscle, without even touching gym. Muscle people like me, I'm fat naturally. I have to go to gym too. Everywhere. So once upon a time, I followed him and um Delphine at that time to his uncle's house. And I went to his uncle's house and I saw his cousin 
the cousin was equally muscular. Ah, I saw his uncle, equally muscular. Ah, of course, because of the understanding of karma, you know, I just, I, I just had a hypothesis and I said, let me test it. I said to you, I said, ah, you, all of you are muscular in your family. And I asked the cousin, I said, your ancestors, were they like hunters or warriors? Sam, not lads, ah, what's wrong with you? The banner said, actually, yes, my grandfather was actually, he said, actually, in my village, my, in, my, in my village, our ancestors, like, uh, like my grandfather, my great-grandfather, for you to be a chief, you have to be very strong. You have to be a great hunter and a great warrior. And my great-grandfather was actually the head of the village. Of course. You guys get what I'm saying? Of course. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Do you guys understand what I'm saying? That data that's, was that entered into their body from hunting animals, from fighting, it was recorded in their genes. And it was passed down to the children. Every single thing you do is recorded in your DNA. Not just physically, but psychologically and spiritually. It's all recorded in the blood. The blood is the greatest flash drive in all of existence, the blood. That's why royal families don't like to mix blood because you are going to corrupt the data that they have struggled to create. When you see a king, not this fake one, the real king, their blood has retained certain kind of knowledge. And that's why they don't like to mix because they don't want to taint that bloodline because that bloodline has information. And that's why in the bloodline of the Levites, everyone had that natural propensity to engage God in an interesting way. Do you guys understand? Because in that blood was contained that data of communion with God, that anyone who was born in that bloodline, you had inherited that relationship with God for free or that access for free, that ease for free because it's recorded in the DNA. It's karma. This nose you're seeing on my face, this is my nose. It's karma. If I go and check, like this is my nose, my auntie has the same nose. My dad has the same nose. I'm sure if I see my great, great, great grandfather, this is probably his eyes that is here. All of, this is all karma. All is your cause and effect. All inherited. And if I have a family that the data they have recorded into their blood is relationship with evil spirits and witchcraft, I've inherited it for free. One here of stories because you see, we that we live in cities, we are very, very ignorant about stuff, so we don't know. We do, we say all these things are not real. But if you if you if you go to the more rural areas where they are still connected to nature, you will hear real stories about spirituality. People who their family have made covenants with water spirits or forest spirits that in their lineage the firstborn must always become a priest. And the moment the firstborn is born, from the age of four, that spirit begins to appear in the dream, asking him to give him what is old. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? From five, that boy was born into warfare simply because of what the parents have done. For free. For free. My child will be blessed. Oh, my God. My child will be blessed. My child will be blessed. My child will be blessed. 
And if he walks in the same line of his father, his child will be too blessed. His child will be too blessed. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Because it's not just about what is being done by myself as an individual. It's also setting the stage for the next generation. And that sets the stage for the next generation. Because everything I'm doing right now will be passed down. Surely, everything you are doing today is being recorded in your blood. Your children will inherit it. Just by being born into this world, you have inherited a lot. So you find some people, naturally, they have a natural propensity to the spiritual, naturally, right? Very easily. You just see them so easy. You know, you just give them any small, you know, exercise practice. You just open up, wow. Not necessarily because God loves them more than you. If you check them, in their family, that history is there. Check it. You see that it was there. Maybe their auntie, their uncle, their grandfather. You see that in their bloodline, that was there. So before they were born, work was already done to open up that dimension. So the child that is born, naturally, they have it. Indeed, Ikhunaya, that's exactly why they asked if the mind's blindness was due to the sins of the father. Now tell me, what knowledge do they have that will make them have the intelligence to ask that kind of question if there was not some validity to it? Do you guys understand? Do you guys understand? If there was not some validity to that, why would they ask that question? If there wasn't some validity to it. If there wasn't some validity to it. Let me even just throw it out there. And I won't go further, but I'll just throw it out there. Jesus Christ asked, he said, who do they say that I am? They say that some say that you're Elijah some say that you are Jeremiah. Some say that you are one of the prophets who has come again. If there wasn't some validity to that, would those people be saying that? But let's leave that for now. If there wasn't some validity to a child, I mean, even now, scientifically speaking, you know that, for example, as a woman that is pregnant, there are some things that you can do in your pregnancy that can make it so that your child will be born deformed. True or false? True or false? Just naturally speaking, not even anything spiritual, just naturally speaking, there are things that you can do in your pregnancy that will guarantee that your child will be born deformed, whether they're born blind or they're born, you know, like for example, in pregnancy, maybe you're deficient in some vitamin that is essential to form the eyes of the child. Of course, the child won't have eyeballs. And yeah, it's this, your sin. Sin in this regard, meaning you do not do what you're supposed to do, which is, I guess, eat certain foods. Whether you know it or not, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Sin was carried out, whether you knew it or not. Sin being, you need a sin of negligence, right? You, you, had, you, you were deficient in something, you needed to take it, and you didn't take it. But I didn't know that that vitamin was an essential element to form the child's bones properly. So the child is born, the bones in form, and so on and so forth. 
Yeah, that's something the mother did, right? And let's say her negligence was as a result of, I don't know, maybe pride, bitter, whatever caused it, whatever, whatever, whatever. Scientifically speaking, we can see that it's possible for the errors of a mother or a father to cause problems in the child that is born. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? So even naturally speaking, this is a, is a scientific fact, but there's also the spiritual aspect to it. And now, just by being born into Nigeria, there are certain things that we have inherited. Certain things. And when the debt comes, or when the creditor comes, I wish we watched some cartoons. You have enjoyed the, 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 what I have said now, but you guys don't know the Naruto, you don't know the Avatar, you don't know the Bleach. If I use those cartoons, you have really understood it so well. Ah, you have understood it. Because those cartoons had deep wisdom. Ah, that's what you call the cartoon of an age. Naruto, Avatar, that's what you call the cartoon of an age. The, the principles that were encapsulated in those cartoons are revolutionary. Naruto, heavenly cartoon. Forget all the funny, funny elements that you might not see. Look, it was deep, inspired by God, 100%, to implement deep virtues in the minds of people. Deep virtues. It's not everything that you must be, it's not everywhere you must say, oh, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. The real satanic things, you don't ever see the word Satan there. The things that are really demonic, you don't see anything about Satan written there. You don't see any horn. You don't see it. So why do we think that to preach Christ, you must always say Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? The good Samaritan that helped the person that was injured, did he say Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ? But his very actions said Jesus Christ more than his mouth could say it. So that idea that, oh, something must have Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, before Jesus Christ can be preached, it's, it's faulty. Because if you think like that, we also think that the only place where Satan can be, can be manifested or, 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 or fed to people is when Satan is being talked about. You know? So in those cartoons, there was a time when it reached a point where these people had to evolve to become, to tap into their full power. And in Naruto, for example, when it was time for him to tap into his full power, they made him go into a mountain. And when he entered into a mountain, they brought up a mirror image of himself that was trying to kill him. And this mirror image of himself kept on trying to kill him. And the more he tried to kill that thing in return, the more that thing kept on trying to kill him until he realized, ah, let me stop fighting. And let this thing just kill me and let me die. The moment he did that, he defeated that mirror image. Wow. Unless one has understanding, one can't understand that deep mystery communicated there. Deep mystery. Deep mystery. You have the spirit of greed in you. Deep greed. Or better said, maybe fear of poverty. 
a fear that is so great that can make you to do all manners of things just because you don't want to go back to where you came from. Ah, I know what I don't see when I was small. Oh, I know the suffering where I don't go through. Ah, I can never be poor again in my life. I can. And that fear has become a slave master that has driven you to make the most catastrophic decisions. Now, that has produced a negative karma of circumstances of lack. And when a lack appears, it comes like something trying to kill you. But yes, it's trying to kill something in you that you created. It is coming in order to nullify a nature in you. But just like Naruto in that beginning, you were trying to kill it back. Instead of allowing that thing kill what is supposed to die. So that you are now free from that fear. But any time that poverty comes around, when Owu starts the blow, that fear kicks in. Then you now you start to calculate all kinds of things. Let me see who I can lie to. Let me see who I can deceive in order to avoid that death that God designed to happen to you, to deliver you from your slave master. Then you're running away from it. You run away from what has the solution to free you from prison. And many families are like that. I met one lady once. I sat down with her. She was talking to me and everything. Just talking to me about, you know. Actually, she, 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 she didn't start talking to me. I went to meet her. She was one of my mom's friends. So I was just sitting at the dining table. And she was talking to my mom. As I just started to look at her, God just started talking about her. And I said, I should go and talk to her. But I said, God, man, I don't know this lady. She's my mom's friend. Let me not go and, yeah, you know, I don't want to, you know, I just didn't like to do that anyway. She said, go and talk to her. So I went to meet her. She's much older than me. So I said, hey, ma, good afternoon, ma. I want to tell you something. There's a problem in your family right now. And let me tell you the problem in your family right now that has caused division and also poverty in your heart. When I said that poverty, you're seeing her face. You were almost offended, you know? Her pride was offended that I could look at her and say, you're poor. <laughs> Well, I didn't care because I know what God has showed me, you know. You know when someone, they are, they are offended and their pride wants to know this guys. I didn't even send it. I said, the reason why you and your family, poverty has not left to people is because you see that spirit of revenge and unforgiveness. You, you people hold it like a prized possession. The moment I said it, she just started to cry. She just started crying. She just started crying. No woman. She started crying. Ah. She has to talk about her life, about her mom, how her mom treated her when she was young. She had to talk about a particular event when she was like 12 or 13. That I don't know whether she disobeyed the mom. And the way the mom decided to punish her, the mom stripped her naked in the compound in front of everybody and was flogging her. And she was saying that some of the boys that were, you know, looking at her at that time, they were all looking over the fence, watching them beat her naked, laughing at her, you know. No, it wasn't a mother did that, it was her uncle, you know. And of course, the uncle, when you hear his own story, you also see things that happened to him that made him become that way and everything. So she was born in a family where wickedness was right, rampant and unforgiveness was rampant and he never allowed them to move forward. And she 
inherited it. And without knowing, you know, that the deliverance from that situation was for her to forgive, which was the hardest thing to do. Just like Naruto, when he fought his mirror image that was trying to kill him. Ah, I will never let you kill me. I'll never let you kill me. I'll never let you kill me. And in not allowing that thing to kill him, that was actually him killing his own self. But the moment he surrendered, the moment he surrendered to the death that needed to happen, that karma was canceled. And he was free. Paul said, a, a, a thorn in my flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me. I prayed to God three times that this be delivered from me. But God said, I have given you this thorn in your flesh. Lest you exalt yourself as a result of the abundance of revelations and encounters. My grace. My grace, my grace is sufficient for you. And you see this thorn that wants to kill you? You will die. And by dying, you will live. Because unless you die, you cannot be free from the law. Are you guys hearing me? Are you guys hearing me? Some of us just being in some certain families. We don't believe that anyone can become anything successful. We have inherited the spirit of low self-esteem, low sense of self-worth. I see the tricky thing about low self-esteem because people think, oh, low self-esteem, people are victims, you know, oh my God, you know, oh, you should pity them. People who believe they don't have worth are the ones who seize it from every and anyone. Do you guys understand? The one who doesn't believe that they have worth, they seize it from other people. Because the one who believes they have worth, give. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Look at Saul. Saul had a great low self-esteem. David, that he should have been training, revealing to him his mistakes as a king, he became afraid. He wanted to destroy the boy because of his low self-esteem. It cost him his throne. Some of us have inherited low self-esteem. Not just the low self-esteem, but that spirit that makes us feel we're justified when we take from people, we seize it as our own. Not just that, but all the consequences that come with it. And in our lifetime, because that nature, that element exists inside of us, we're going to face it. We're going to face it. And when it comes, when it comes, we have to allow it to kill us. 
We have to allow it to kill us. For us to be free from that cycle. That's why some people, they repeat the same negative cycle over and over and over again. Why is the cycle, why does it keep coming? There's something in you that is bringing it here. Remember I said everything is circular. Everything returns to its point of origin. The reason why that thing is coming from you is because there's something in you that is generating it. Do you guys get what I'm saying? There's something in you that is generating it, that is bringing it out. And that's why it keeps coming. That's why shame keeps coming. That's why failure keeps coming. That's why starting and not finishing keeps coming. Do you understand? Closed doors keeps coming. Because there's something in your legs. There's something you have not learned. Something you have not learned. That you need to learn in order for the forgiveness to be complete. And God, when you, when, when you follow him, why, did, why, did, why didn't Paul de- deliver? Think about it. I want you to tell me, how did the karma of Paul's evil actions against the Christians manifest in his life? How did it manifest? How did it manifest? Hmm? Indeed, he suffered many things. The one who flogged people, he got flogged a lot. Why didn't God save it from him? Why didn't God save him from it? Why, why didn't God save him from it? Why did God make him go through all of that? Why did God say my grace is sufficient for you? <laughs> why didn't God save him? Based on all we've been teaching now, let me see who really understands. Why didn't God save him? Tell me. Why didn't God save him? Why didn't God save him from those outcomes? Hmm? Who can tell me? You can raise up your hand if you want to speak. Iguana says his forgiveness in him, his forgiveness was being worked out, absolutely. Ikenaya said, so that that nature in him will die, absolutely. Absolutely. Because just because your depths have been cleared doesn't mean that the debtor in you has ceased to exist. The criminal in you has ceased to exist. So you have to face those things. Now let me ask, when those things came, did Paul run from it? Did Paul run? Did Paul run? Are you seeing that same thing in the Naruto happening there? Because everything Paul was facing was himself. Even though the Romans had a different face, that was him. He was facing himself. He was facing himself. And he had to confront himself. And he had to let that thing be dissolved. Indeed, the flogger became the flogged. 
And that's the only way he could be delivered from that spirit that drove him to do that in the first place. Answer to the question, what do you think would have happened if God took him in, brought him into Christianity, but did not deal with that nature that could make him commit those crimes to people? What do you think would have happened? What do you think would have happened? I'm asking. What do you think would have happened? Just as an example. Yes, exactly. Jumoke, beautiful. That's beautiful. He would have turned around to flog unbelievers. Because in that spirit of anyone who is not on my side, I hate them and I would, I would, I would met evil upon them in the name of Jesus. That pride. That pride. He would have carried it into Christianity and done the same thing he did. God had to remove that nature from him completely. And Paul knew that he had to remove that nature from him. Tell me how Peter's karma of... I mean, don't you see how Peter ran away when they were flogging Jesus Christ? Ran away. But I think Jesus Christ had short that thing that Peter ran away from, that fear he ran away from, Peter faced it and faced it in incredible measure. They beat Peter, tired. <laughs> they flogged him, tired. <laughs> but flogging worry Peter. <laughs> Overflogging, <laughs> the flogger, yay! <laughs> because that Roman whip represented an aspect of himself he had not yet defeated, and God needed him to defeat that. Because what I've called you for, Peter to be a champion of my message in your generation that will start a fire that will kindle for centuries and millennia to come, you can't be afraid of of Cain. Ah, no, 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 no. Such a person, you can't be afraid of Cain. You can't even be afraid of death. I will make sure that that nature that made you to run and abandon your master, I will make sure that nature is destroyed in you. Yeah, God forgave him. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you see that kind of man that needs forgiving, God must destroy it. Because God doesn't, I want you to write this down. I want everyone to write this down. God does not want you to need forgiveness. And I want you to let that sink in. God does not want you to need forgiveness. God does not want you to need forgiveness. Because forgiveness is only needed for a criminal. And grace is not given to continue the creation of criminals, but to bring an end to it. That's why God gives his grace. Not to enable us to continue in sinful behavior, but to bring an end to it, to terminate it, so that we no longer need his grace. 
The only reason why they are prophets and teachers is because they are people who don't have sense. <laughs> Would that be an Elijah if there was no Ahab? Do you guys get my point? Jesus Christ said that in that time, you will not need any teacher because the Spirit will teach you. But the reason why we have teachers now is because the Spirit is not teaching us or we're not listening. So my very existence here and the people who exist to teach me is because of strong head. Do you guys get my point? Isaiah exists because of people who don't listen to God. Moses exists because of people who don't listen to God. If people listen to God, there will be nothing. There won't be any need for Moses or Jeremiah or Isaiah or Joel or Jesus. It's only the captive that needs salvation. God doesn't want you to need salvation. Do you guys understand my point? Do you understand my point? God does not want you to need salvation. As, as crazy as that might sound, don't you think about it? He doesn't want you to need salvation. Because he's the one in bondage that needs salvation. And God forbid, God will want you to be in perpetual bondage. God is not one of those people that feeds his ego by having people perpetually in need of him. Are you guys getting my point? There's some people who love it when you always beg them and kneel for them and everything. So they make sure they give you enough to keep you around them, but never enough to make you not need them anymore. God wants us to no longer need his forgiveness. Indeed, he wants us to transcend the law. That's what the Bible talks about when he said, on that, in that day, the, the law will no longer be written on stone, but on the flesh of the heart. Meaning, you will be self-taught, in-taught by the Spirit of God within you, not having to need someone outside telling you, do this, do that. You wake up and you know you should clean the house. For those of us who are teenagers and early 20s and we're still living with our parents, why does your mom have to tell you to get up and clean the house? And you know yourselves. Why do they need to tell you to arrange this room or do the dishes? Who is supposed to do it? Eh? Who is supposed to do it? Every day, complain, complain, complain. You're wondering why she shouted. Why won't your mom shout? Am I lying? Am I lying? It's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. If you are doing what was necessary, there will not be any law in that house. The law only exists for criminals. Law only exists for criminals. Don't talk to strangers. It's because you don't have discernment. Because if you have discernment, no one needs to tell you to not talk to strangers. You can discern who or who not to be spoken to. Do you guys get my point? God wants to get us to the place where we don't need laws. Where we can transcend laws. Because the law is now within us. Do you understand? Jesus Christ sat down in brothels. He broke every law of priesthood at that time. But that tells you, for the priesthood at that time to have had those laws, that don't go and sit down in Harlot's house, it tells you the level of their corruption. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Because if you are light, why should you be afraid of darkness? Do you guys get my point? Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Why should you be afraid of darkness? So the very existence of those laws 
was a testament of the lawlessness among the people. And they said, don't go to that whole house. Not because there's not a place to go to, there's not a time when one needs to go to the whole house, but because they know that that whole house will bring out the lawlessness in you. Those tax collectors, by the time you sit down there, because on the side, in those days, tax collectors were very wealthy. So of course, when you go to their house, you're going to see all manners of food, all manners of wine, all manners of women, all the rich people in power, you see them in their house. Definitely, if you eat at the table of a tax collector and there's lawlessness in you, you will be beguiled by luxury and you sell your best right for a piece of bread. That's why they said, don't go there. But Jesus Christ was beyond that. The law was in his hands. May Magdalene put her hair on his leg. If it's a man, before she even puts her hair, once she just comes like that, the man already has an erection. It's the truth. It's the truth. And it's because of that lawlessness. You say, okay, wherever there's women, you don't, don't stay there. It's the truth. Do you guys get what I'm saying? <laughs> I hope that was not too straightforward, but it's the truth. Do you guys hear me? Laws are only present for the lawless. And some will say, oh, then let's go do away with laws. The law can only be done away with when you cease to be a lawless person. When you by yourself, by nature, uphold law, respect law, keep law, if you still break the law, then you need the law to act upon you. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Are you guys with me? Are you guys with me? So the law exists because of the sinful nature. So long as the sinful nature, there will be law. There will be the facing and the confronting of the consequences of not just our actions, but of the nature that exists inside of us. You must face it. You must face it. You must face it. There's hunger coming. You need to ask God, Father, why is this hunger coming? Because there's something bringing that hunger. Something is bringing it. That's poverty. Something is bringing it. Nothing, nothing is sustained without a... a, a a generator somewhere that is powering it. If you see poverty in a family, there's something powering it. There's a generator that is the root of the power of that poverty. Because for something to be sustained, it needs energy. Nothing can be sustained without energy. So if poverty is very strong in a family, it's not the poverty that is strong. There's something that is stronger than that poverty that is in that family that doesn't want to go. Go and check and find out. One of the reasons Africa is poor is because we don't know how to come together. Look at Europe. They have medical association, architectural association, archaeological association, uh, uh, journalistic association, everything association. And everyone comes together to share their knowledge, pull it together, and so that everyone can lift, up, lift, lift themselves up together. But in Africa, if I hear, everyone wants to die with their knowledge. 
before the Europeans came, how were we treating our sick? How are we healing ourselves? Look at China, look at India. Not only did they preserve their indigenous medicinal knowledge of understanding, not only did they document it amongst themselves and make a compendium of knowledge, they even joined it to the knowledge of the Europeans. So not only did they unite their medicinal knowledge in their own country, they united their medicinal knowledge in their country with the medicinal knowledge of another country. Why won't people go there for the most unsolvable issues? Why wouldn't they go there? Why wouldn't they go there? Are you guys getting what I'm saying? Why wouldn't they go there? When they're sharing. Some families, every man for himself. Every man for himself. And do not see how to see how to lift up the other person. Of course, it's not one-sided. There's also people who don't want to be lifted up, right? Who are very lazy, want things to just be put in their hand, who have pride that feels insulted if anyone gives them anything, just so many things. And we have all these patterns in families. And they keep on going and going and going and going. And people don't realize these things. And when circumstances appear in order to help you to destroy that pattern, instead of us to face it fair and square, we run by committing a crime. That story I told you of that young man that was about to sacrifice his father for money. There was a spirit of greed that was present in his family, a spirit of greed that had to be destroyed. And the only way to destroy greed is by encountering poverty. And not just encountering poverty, but encountering poverty and maintaining moral uprightness. That was the way out. But that young man didn't care about that. He didn't want to face the poverty at all. He didn't want to deal with his greed. So he decided to look for other ways and now he sees his father. It looks as though he has broken the cycle of poverty, but he has not because you see, that nature that made him break the laws to get money is the same nature that sooner or later will bring him down. Sooner or later, it's really a matter of time. Look at R. Kelly. Huh? He thought he broke the cycle of poverty in his family. Look at him. Where is his money? He's finished. Are you guys getting my point? Is R. Kelly not finished? It's finished. His story is, 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 is finished because he did not confront the real problem. He thought poverty is the problem. All these black Americans, for example, they think poverty is the problem. They think that's the problem. So they sell drugs to break it out and they think they're broken out. But those same people either die at 25. Sooner or later, they will come back to where they started because they've not dealt with the actual issue in the family. I get it what I'm saying. I get it what I'm saying. These are things to reflect on. Because just being born, just by being born, 
just by being born in this flesh, in whatever family we're born into, in this country, there are things that we have inherited for free. Both good and bad. And if we misuse the good, we're going to create unfortunate circumstances for ourselves. If we use the good rightly, we'll create fortunate circumstances for ourselves. For example, a good name. If your family has a good name, it will open doors for you. But that good name is never enough to keep you in that room. Never. You yourself have to have something of substance. It's the substance of your family that brought you into that room but it's only your own individual substance that will keep you there. And then the flip side is the substance of your family that has kept you out of certain rooms in life. Shut the door on you. Yeah, it's their substance that shuts you out. But only your own individual substance will let you in. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Do you understand? Do you understand? Let me tell you a very common karma that people don't know. Do you want to hear it? Do you want to hear it? If you've ever been unfaithful to someone in the past, you are either going to have someone who is unfaithful to you or you're going to have someone who has been betrayed before and you have to deal with the insecurity. It's always like that. If you check that pattern, you see it in many people. You can't spend 30, 40 years breaking people's hearts, cheating people in deals and you think that everything is going to be well with you. It's not possible. Either someone is going to cheat you or you're going to feel the full pain, full pain of your faithfulness, even when you start to be faithful. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Even when you choose to be faithful, you feel the full pain. Paul was not a criminal. Paul was not a criminal. Right? He wasn't a criminal. As of the time he started following Jesus Christ, he wasn't a criminal. But because he treated people like criminals in the past, he had earned a future where he would also be treated like a criminal. People who didn't commit anything, they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. Right? They didn't do anything. Wrong. Him also. When he didn't do anything wrong, evil came upon him. Does that make sense? And he had to face it. He had to face the same injustice that the creator for others, he had to face it and still be good in the midst of it. It's not just about going through injustice because some of us will go through hard times, but we, never, we don't really go through it. Say, ah, God, thank God it passed, but all throughout the hard time, you lost all your character. 
you have you wasted that period on your life and to come again believe me it will come because you've not learned the lesson that thing came to teach you something if you spend that whole season complaining fighting doing all kinds of things it will pass because all seasons come and they go but because that nature is still there you do not allow that moment nullify that thing in you you have guaranteed that it will come again sooner or later sooner or later now this does not necessarily mean that if unpleasant circumstances happen that we should just sit down and do nothing we only sit down and do nothing if we're not able to see any good thing that can be done do you understand if in my like i say if you don't have anything good to say don't say anything because it's better not to say anything than to speak evil. It's better. And maybe just pray in that moment than to do the only thing that is your mind, which is a great evil. This person is slandering you, spoiling your name. And all you can think about is how to ruin them in return. It's best to just stay quiet and let them finish you. That's the mission of what Jesus Christ was saying when he said, give them, if they ask for your shirt, give them the two. It's not about people taking advantage of you. Is if what they've done to you, if it's going to make you to sin, it's better you allow that go and even more than for them to really take the real value from you, which is your soul. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So it's not as if, oh, let everyone beat you. No, 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 no. Let everyone beat you if your only way out is crying. If your only way out is crying, let everyone beat you. If your only way out of poverty is crying, let poverty finish you there. And pray for God to show you a way out. Because crying is never the way out. Never. If you have to lie your way out of problems, you are only postponing the inevitable. And it's good to remember that. If you have to lie your way out of problems, you are only postponing the inevitable. Whatever reason you are lying for, you are only postponing the inevitable. Because that thing must be, must be confronted sooner or later. Sooner or later. So Paul knew it. He knew that I committed a lot of injustice. I, I, I made people to experience a lot of injustice. And yes, the grace of God came to wipe my debts, but there's still the old man in me, still ready to create new debts. So I must enjoy that grace that helps me to destroy the sinner in me that I don't, need, I don't have to need grace anymore. God doesn't want you to need grace forever. Grace is the word grace is from the Greek word charis. From the Greek word charis, we have the English word charity. Does anyone want to be a charity? A charity uh, what do they call people who, are, who collect charity? Do you want to be a charity? Uh, what do they call people who, who are beneficiaries of charity? Do you want to remain like that forever? 
Huh? Charity case, exactly. Do you want to be a charity case forever? Isn't charity meant to help you, to empower you so that you no longer need charity again? God is trying to get us to a place where we won't need grace, where we won't need forgiveness, where we won't even need correction. Because he's only, he's only the one who commits the crime that needs to be corrected. He's only the one who is poor that needs charity. So God is trying to bring us out of that place. Where we're charity cases. And to set us free. And to break the cycle of that law cause and effect, that we now begin to live above it, that I'm no longer a victim of chance and circumstance. I own the narrative of my life. Do you know that when a person is being tortured, the way they teach spies to go through torture is by accepting the torture. Do you know, have you ever heard of that before? That the moment they accept the torture that's happened to them, the moment they choose it, that torture ceases to happen to them. It now becomes under their control. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Shall I show you it in the Bible? Shall I show you it in the Bible? Hmm? Just Christ said, no one takes my life from me. I lay down. He was no longer a victim of cause and effect. He was the controller of his destiny. He was not a victim. He had, he had, he had gone beyond that realm of karma. He was not a victim anymore. No one takes my life from me. I lay down. And if I lay down, I will pick it up again. They didn't kill him. On the cross, he gave up the ghost. They didn't kill that man. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? They didn't kill him. He disincarnated himself when it was time. So if you really reflect, no one killed Jesus. He actually manifested his word. No one takes my life from me. For those who know history, crucifixion, you don't die in one day. The reason why they wanted to kill them immediately with those spears was because he was killed on Friday and Saturday was Shabbat and it would have been evil to have that on, Shabbat, on, on Sabbath day. So they wanted to just kill him so that he's not around on Sabbath day. Normally, when they crucify you, you are there for like one week, sometimes two weeks. The crows will come and eat your eyeballs, they'll eat your tongue, they'll eat your ears. As your hand is elevated on the, wooden, on the wooden beam, you'll be choking from your elevated hands. And the only way you can support yourself from choking is by putting pressure on your leg and lifting yourself up. But as you lift yourself up to stop yourself from choking, the nails in your leg are hurting you. <laughs> it's torture of, un, of unimaginable proportions. Unimaginable proportions. And you'll be there for almost two weeks. So you can understand 
you can understand why Peter was afraid of the cross. <laughs> I don't blame Bruce P. <laughs> nah, I don't blame him for one second. <laughs> if you had seen crucifixion, no, 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 no. There was nothing honorable about that kind of time, that kind of death. There was nothing honorable about it. Nothing honorable. <laughs> They will line them up on the streets. The whole world will see you naked, dying. No one can, no one dares bring you down. If they bring you down, they've committed a crime against, against the Roman Empire. And they will also be lifted up on the cross. You will die very slowly. So crucifixion, thank you, Jesus Christ. Make you live. He gave up his ghost. Because he took the charge of the narrative of his life. That's how to go beyond karma, cause and effect. Yes, I know that whatever it is that I did brought this, but now it has come, I'll choose it. I'll choose it because of the work it wants to complete in my life and I'll allow it to correct something in me. Very simple example, you insult someone. It creates a negative effect of them insulting you back accept that this is what you have created and own that moment. And from the moment you do that, you disempower that action that has come. And the insult can no longer hurt you. And you allow it to, that pain you feel from being insulted, it makes you to have an understanding of the pain you cause for the person that you insulted. Because if someone, if you insult someone, you don't know the pain you're causing them. You insult them, maybe say idiot. Then I say your father. Then I say, how oh, can you call my father? Well, you call me an idiot. Right? Now, that pain you're feeling is what you made me feel. That pain should educate you to not call me an idiot next time. Because if you call me idiot, there's a chance that I will, call, I will say your father. And you're going to feel pain of insults and you cry. So if you don't want to cry, don't insult anybody. So when you insult someone and you get the check, the bill for your insult, pay it. And in that moment, when that negative karma is about to inspire you to continue an evil cycle, don't allow it. Even if it means you looking like a fool, it's better to look like a fool and be wise than to be a fool and look wise. Jesus Christ looked like a fool. Paul looked like a fool, but he was not. The Pharisees looked wise. Caiaphas looked wise. He looked like he had won. But he was not wise, and neither did he win. So it's enough for us to reflect. It's enough for us to reflect. Is enough for us to reflect. Every instruction, I want us to write this, and this is what I want us to remember today. Above everything. Above everything. Every instruction God gives you, there's a salary for it. Every instruction God gives you, please forgive my very... Um, 
let me say a cake way of explaining things sometimes. Like I said, when I'm teaching, I just speak as it is in my heart. Then afterwards, I try to write and make things a bit more, but honestly, you gain more from this speaking than even the writing, if you really listen. If God gives you an instruction, whatever he's telling you to do is what will earn you money spiritually, is what will earn you credit spiritually. Because he's hiring you in his business. So if he tells you to do something, he's inviting you into his business. He says, okay, take this job. Here's what I want you to do for this, your husband, or this, your wife. This is the job I have for you concerning them. And if you do this, you're going to earn a salary for these particular people that I've brought to your care. This is the job I have for you. And if you do this, there will be a salary. Paul said the salary of sin is death. For everything you do, there's a salary. There's a wage. The wages of God is spiritual credit. Spiritual credit. Spiritual credit. A person with spiritual credit, these are the ones that will call upon God and you answer because you have credit. When they call upon God, he answers. When they call upon God, he answers. Because there's plenty of credit in your account. A righteous man is a very rich man. A man who is iniquitous is a very poor man. There's a scripture in Isaiah that says, iniquity drives you from my my face. Let me find that scripture for for, for us quickly. Iniquity has driven you from me. Yes. Is in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 59. 59 verse 2. Isaiah 59 verse 2. I'll post it here for us now. Isaiah 59 verse 2. Isaiah 59 verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So that he will not hear. The one who is spiritually bankrupt cannot ever make a demand to God. That is why you need a what? Let me see what those of us who are very intuitive. That is why you need a what? Who can tell me? That is why you need a what? Beautiful, Ethaniah. Intercessor. A bridge. One who bridges the gap. Because your iniquity has made it so that there's no access between you and your God. You need an intermediary. You're too poor to have access to the king. Poor people don't stay in the king's chamber. 
unless someone brings you there. Is the truth naturally speaking? Can you meet the president of a nation if someone doesn't bring you there? Poor man has no business in the chamber of a king unless someone brings you there who stands on your behalf. Indeed, Egono, a Christ. So when God raises you up in intercession for a person, it's because in that moment you are a Christ for their life. Because as they are, there's nothing they can ask God that God will hear them because of their iniquity. But you can bridge that divide. It's because of this that you have all those principles of in the Catholic Church where people go to pray to the fathers and everything and all those stuff that led to a lot of misunderstanding and, you know, funny doctrines and whatnot, you know. That the only way you can pray is if the priest prays for you. There's a place for that, but you can't be there forever. How can a priest pray for you for 20 years? Is everything okay with you? Are you guys getting what I'm saying? How can priests pray for you for 20 years? Do you guys understand me? How can a priest be praying for you for 20 years? 20 years. What have you done with those 20 years? So there's truth in that, right? There's that place where someone goes to God for you because that's how it is. Paul went to God for the people and Moses went to God for the people, just went to God for the people. But after a while, the spirit must teach you because you have to go to God for yourself. David went to God for himself. Yeah, he might have learned from Moses, but he went for himself. That he learned that even though Moses told us to kill rams and bulls, God has no desire for such things. That's because he went by himself. David was led by the Spirit. He was not led by the law. Do you understand? David was not led by the law. He was led by the Spirit. So don't think the Spirit leading people came in the New Testament. Isaiah was led by the Spirit. He wasn't reading it. It's not the law that controlled him. That desire for evil, he didn't have it. He had a different appetite. So we need to be obedient to God. And the things he tells us to do, do them. Because he's inviting you into his business. And there is a salary for all those who work in the vineyard. How can, how can he be a good God and he will not pay you for a good labor? Do you understand? If Satan can pay you wages for your sins, why won't God pay you for works of righteousness? Do you understand? It pays to serve God. 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 It pays to be obedient. It pays to choose his path, even though your pride has a clear laid out path for you. Your pride tells you, this is how you must respond to this woman now. This is what you must say. Listen to me. This is what you must say. It looks like it pays, but it doesn't. It makes you very bankrupt. And sooner or later, you discover it. That apology that God is telling you to make in that moment, it pay you much more than the insult you want to give in return. It will pay you. Your mates are laughing at you. 
They're all cheating in order to increase their income, their earnings. They're laughing at you. Let them laugh. I keep on walking in the right direction. Increase your knowledge. Don't follow them to cheat life because you can't cheat life. It's impossible. The law can never be broken. Never be broken. You know what to break? You. You. You can never break the law. The law will break you to pieces. You will think you've broken the law. <laughs> it's only a matter of time before you see. Only a matter of time. Look at pedophiles, for example. They think they can break the law, they'll sleep with children and get away with it. Who knows what happens to pedophiles in prison? Who knows? Who knows? If you go to prison and they discover that you are in jail for pedophilia, do you know? Do you guys know? You don't know. As a man, if you go to prison, anyone that goes to prison, they want to find out your crime because in the prison, they have hierarchy of criminals too. <laughs> if they find out that you were a rapist, they will rip you to you. <laughs> it's not funny, but there was one particular guy in Brazil. He ripped his, his girlfriend's two daughters as a vengeance for her leaving him. When he went to jail, they found out what he did. 20 men raped him with a mob stick. 20 men, they all took turns. When they finished, this man was without an inus. I'm not kidding. You can't break the law. You can't break the law. The law will break you. The law will break you. Sooner or later, it doesn't have to happen in the place that you committed it, right? Because like I've taught many times, nature is not linear, okay? Even psychologically speaking, life is not linear. Someone offended you at 12. That person has gone. And that person who offended you, you don't like them. 10 years down the line, you meet someone who is different but has the same energy of that person. Immediately, you treat them as though they're the same person. Yeah, because in nature, everything is poetic. So you are not the same person I met at 12, but poetically speaking, you are the same person I met at 12, so I'm going to deal with you. Like that person who annoyed me at 12. So in the same place, in the same vein, you are not the person I was kind to five years ago, but you are the person I was kind to, and that's why you are repaying me with kindness. Does that make sense? Do you, guys understand, what I, do you, do you understand what I mean by that? Do you understand what I mean by that? You are kind to a child in the street who has no way of helping you. And 10 years down the line, someone who you never met before will look at you just like that child in the street and will help you. And from the realm of the spirit, it's the same thing that has happened. It's not different. Physically, it looks like it's two different things when the spirit is one thing. So that man raped those two girls. In the prison, he became those two girls that God raped. 
in the realm of the spirit, this is, is, is the same thing. It doesn't have to happen to you in the literal place that you did good or evil. Like the, the, the repercussion doesn't have to happen in the, literal, in, the, in the literal place that you did it, but it will happen. Sooner or later, it will happen. God cannot be mocked. Whatever you show, you reap here, there, wherever, it, will, it must come. And that's something to remember. Live life charitably. Be good to people. Don't be disrespectful. Don't see a snail on the road and step on the snail. Tomorrow you are going to be that snail. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you, you will be that snail tomorrow. Don't kill snail on the road for nothing. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have a small dog. Because it's small and powerless, you'll be doing it anyhow. You will become that small dog very soon. Are you guys hear what I'm saying? Do you understand me? You will become that small dog very soon. You will become that small dog very soon. Let me talk like Nidu uh, Dechuku. <laughs> you will become that small dog very soon. You will be that small dog. <laughs> For those who know him. <laughs> <laughs> and it applies for both good and bad because the good treatment you give to that small dog one day you'll be like that small dog to someone they'll look at you like this they say, it, it, it's not about whether it's a human being no, it's that same eyes of looking at something that is dependent on me so that eyes that you looked at that you used to look at that animal that is dependent on you. That same eye, someone will look at you like that very soon. So you want to ask yourself, how do I look at people who I feel are dependent on me? How do I look at people who I feel are less than me? How do I treat them? Very soon you'll be that person. And God help you. If that person who was dependent on you, you treated them bad, you you don't plant orange seed and harvest mango tree. It doesn't happen, not physically, not spiritually. The same principles that govern the physical world govern the realms of the spirit. You can't plant apple seed and have a harvest of yam. How does it want to happen? How does it want to happen? Treat people with kindness. Treat people with empathy. Treat people with love and humility. Be generous. Forgive. Don't be prideful. Don't be deceitful. Don't be a cheater. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? These are very simple things being said, but listen, if you remember these things, it will do a lot for you. You're an employee, you're cheating in your company, you're treating another person's work anyhow, don't worry. One day, even if you're not an owner of a business, you'll be a manager, huh? and your promotion will depend on the, on, on the, on the, on the, what's the word? On how good the people under you work. And the same way you treat another person's business, 
with levity and carelessness. One day you'll be in that same position. And God help you if what you sowed was a mango seed <laughs> or what you sowed was thorns. Yeah, that's what you're going to harvest. Plant good seeds. Plant good seeds. These are to break cycles in families. Yes, there's deliverance. But let me tell you, let me tell you, I grew up in deliverance ministries. So that thing of screaming, falling down, I, I, I've seen it, I've seen it, I'm tired of seeing it. I've laid hands on people, they scream and falling down. I've seen it, I'm tired of seeing it. That's not what deliverance is. That is just a temporary solution. Some people think, oh, deliverance is after you're falling down. Oh, that's just temporary. As a matter of fact, those kind of things are reserved for extreme cases. When this person is really demon-possessed, like their full, their full um, 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 thinking capacity is completely overrun by a demon. That's when you bring in exorcism. The real deliverance is the renewing of your mindset. Is the renewing of your, of your mindset. Pray. Pray, pray, pray for God to change patterns in your family. Pray, you must pray. But after praying, when those proclivities that are signature to your family, those bad proclivities arise in your heart, you better reject them. Better reject them. And some of us, just because of the families we're born into, we, we, can't, we can't live life like ordinary people. Some of us promiscuities in our family. We know it. Loss is great in our family. We can't live life like the average man just because of where we came from. I, more than the average man, have a greater tendency to fall into the better promiscuity than the average person. And because of that, your life has to be different. Are you guys following me? Are you guys, are you guys following me? Are you guys here? Your life has to be different. Your life has to be different. There's witchcraft in your family. Your life has to be different. Your prayer life has to be different. You can't pray like the average person. Because the average person doesn't have that in their family to contend with. You see? They don't have that to contend with. So you can't pray like the average person. You can act like the average person. And like I said in the last session, every altar in a home has a particular vice. And by vice, I mean character flaw that is the root of his power. So let's say that family altar, the root of the power is loss. Let's say your father fought that altar and put it to silence. Your grandfather. Your father also fought it and put it to silence. You now came and you began the path of promiscuity. That altar that has been silenced for two generations comes alive again because it's always there. It's there in the bloodline. It's there. Both good and bad. If you're in your father, there was a great prophet in your bloodline. That propensity is there. Even if you live life anyhow, whatever, that propensity is there. 
The moment you begin to fulfill the right conditions, immediately it wakes up inside of you and begins to push you into that direction for good and for bad. The greatest deliverance is the transformation of mindset. Of mindset. You see families where no woman ever gets married. Go and check their patterns and ensure it. You're going to find low self-esteem. You're going to find pride. You're probably going to find rage. Many things. Because for someone not to be married, there's something that, does, that can't allow you to stay with a man or stay with a woman. True or false? True or false? I'm asking. True or false? Do you guys hear what I'm saying? True or false? True. So yes, my village, my village, my village. Sure, 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 sure. But there's something in you that your village has found access to that makes it easy for them to walk their way in and through you. That's why your marriage is spoiling because that opening hasn't been closed. Your mom didn't close it. Your dad didn't close it. Your grandparents didn't close it. And that's why it continued, not because your case is hopeless, but because no one decided to stop the cycle and no one identified it first and foremost. Oh, all our marriages end. Sure, sure, sure. For me, I, I, when people say, oh, this thing is not going to work, or the, I, I, in my head, I can never agree with that because there's always reasons why something is not working. Oh, irreconcilable differences. What, what on earth does that mean? Oh, we can never see eye to eye. How? You need to bring out the particulars of it. Oh, I can't, I don't like women. I can't stand men. You need to bring out the particulars and begin to pinpoint the actual issues to deal with them. So there's nothing like in my family, no one gets married. There's a reason why. And you need to find out that reason by reflecting in yourself. There's a reason why. And going against that pattern, no matter what it costs you, going against that pattern, a family where women always marry useless men, there is a reason why. There's a reason why. There's a reason why. I guess get what I'm saying. So much reflector. So much reflector. Too much reflector. Because we're tired of being victims of chance and circumstance. There's a need for us to take charge of the narratives of our life. Take charge of the narrative of our life. Where it is now us and God that are in control of everything that concerns us. In, 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 in your walk. Yes, I can see what you are doing. Look at Joseph. The brothers came and they were crying. Joseph, forgive me. What did Joseph say to them? What did Joseph say when his brothers were asking for his forgiveness? I'm asking. What did he say? What did he say? I'm asking. 
You can raise your hand if you want to speak. What did Joseph say? Indeed, he intended it for evil, but God intended to preserve my life. So he was no longer a victim of chance and circumstance. He owned his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know this is what you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know you did this. But let me tell you what I did. Because what I do is what matters. I'm no longer a victim of chance and circumstance. I own the narrative of my life. And I will no longer be tossed to and fro by the wind. So this is something that God wants us to truly reflect on. Truly reflect on. Truly reflect on. In order to change a lot of things that are in our lives. In order to have a better understanding of those things in our lives. Have a better understanding. If a particular negative thing is happening over and over and over again, you need to understand why it's happening. What it's trying to deal with inside of you. And oftentimes, the part of you that feels pain when a negative outcome happens is a part of you that is the problem. I want us to write that down. The part of you that feels pain when a negative outcome happens is a part of you that is the problem, is a part of you that needs to be dealt with, that part that is hurt. Pain is the evidence of something wrong. The body feels pain when something wrong is happening. When you put something where it's not, where nothing, when, it, when you put something in the wrong place, when you stand in the wrong place, when you touch the wrong place, pain happens to tell you Something wrong is happening. So if you're going through a tough time, a negative situation, that part of you that is feeling the most pain, that's the part where deliverance is supposed to come out from. I need to ask God, God, how can I cooperate with you? How can I work with you? Are people hurting your, hurting your pride? Your boss, your friend, your mom? Your spouse. That's something that God wants to work on inside of you. You need to ask him, how can I work with you to deal with this? Because people say, oh, 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 oh. So I'm meant to just keep quiet and take it. I'm that's not the point. The point is to not let that make you to become a criminal. to find other ways. It might be tough, yes, but other ways exist. Other ways out. Other ways out. But if your heart is not right, you will never find those ways. Never. Never. You have an argument with your friend. If your heart is not to really know their heart, it's only a matter of time. Even if you say, let me try and listen, it's only a matter of time before your, 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 your persona will crack and the real you will come out. Because you know what to hell with you. Actually, 
what are, I won't, you know, I'm even trying to even listen to you. Yeah, it shows that you, your heart was never trying to listen in the first place. And that's why you cracked. Because when your heart is not right, you will never see what you're supposed to see. <laughs> Esther, why are you laughing? <laughs> you know, if your heart is not right, you can't see it. You know, so this is reality of life. These are things that God wants us to know in this time. You know, if Paul's heart was not right, you know, you can pretend, oh, let me just take the first whip. If his heart was to, for self-glory, that is to prove to himself that he can be beaten for Christ. If that was his God, after the third whip, we have abandoned Jesus Christ. Because when your heart is in the wrong place, you can't, you can't walk with God for so long. It will be too painful. Because the, 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 the contrast in your head is too much. You are always battling within yourself. So if Paul was pretending, it would, have been only, it would have only been a matter of time before his facade would have broken away and the truth would come out. And that's what trials are made for. You know, trials are to make, let's see what you're made of. So as I turn up the heat, what you really are, I will see it today. And so many of us, what we really are, we have seen it. It's a good thing because God is showing you what needs to be dealt with. And so oftentimes when those things come out, we blame the other person. Not only that God is, God used that person to give us an opportunity to see what is keeping us from righteousness. Because you think you're righteous. God will show you that you're not righteous. He will show you very well. And he knows how to do it excellently. Excellently. He will, he will disgrace you so that you can receive grace. <laughs> That's God's law. God's law. So yes, people, I hope that from the few things that we've shared, we've had a lot of food for thought and we've shared a lot of things today. You know, we talked about how everything returns to its point of origin. Whatever we project out is what comes back is what comes back. And now, if you project something negative outward, and what is coming back is something negative, God's grace can remove it. But if he finds that, you are still willing to continue to perpetuate that act, grace will not be given to you. As a matter of fact, the grace that will be given to you will be to experience that thing. So it's still grace. <laughs> so God never takes away his grace, but the grace can take different manifestation. <laughs> I'm laughing because I just caught this remark just now. <laughs> because I said grace will be taken away, but I had an argument in my head saying, no, grace is not taken away. And I said, ah, oh, yes, grace is not taken away. Even that in itself is grace. <laughs> and I remember Paul. <laughs> so that thorn was God's grace. <laughs> Do you guys understand? Do you guys understand what I'm saying? The forgiveness of God, the cancellation of your debt is a journey. A journey of the destruction and dismantling of the old man and the construction 
and the building of the new man. When the forgiveness of God is perfected in your life, maybe you should write this down. When the forgiveness of God is perfected in your life, you will no longer be a candidate for forgiveness or of forgiveness. When the forgiveness of God is perfected in your life, you will no longer be a candidate for forgiveness. It's only the criminal that needs forgiveness. It's only the pauper that needs grace. When God's grace is perfected in your life, you will need it. And it's because you don't need it that God will not tell you, now it's time to give that grace to others. Do you guys understand the mystery? Do you understand the mystery? Just Christ no longer needed grace. That's why it was, his, it was his duty to give it. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? Do you understand? Do you understand? The area in your life that you no longer need God's grace is that area where you're going to give grace. The area in your life that you no longer need God's grace is that is the area that you're going to give grace. You must. And that's how you grow. You must. So if you no longer are malicious and you don't need grace to save you from malice, quote unquote, now you're going to be gracious to people who are malicious towards you. You have dealt with malice in yourself, but now you're going to be able to, you're going to have to deal with malice from others. So God is trying to get us to the point where we no longer need his mercy. Do you understand? Only the criminal needs mercy. Mercy is not for the righteous man. We need to get to the point where we no longer need an intercessor. It's to your shame that you need an intercessor. Do you understand? It's to your shame. It's to our shame that you need an intercessor. The coming of Jesus Christ, as much as it's to your glory, it's to your shame. And it's something for us to think about. The coming of Jesus Christ is to our shame as a humanity. It's to our shame. That we need someone to come and spell boldly something that is already written everywhere in nature is to our shame, and we should be ashamed that we need Jesus. <laughs> Sounds crazy, but you should think about it. Well, let me be careful now because someone can just take this excerpt and post it out. God help me. That's <laughs> yeah, look at what you said. He said that you should be ashamed if you need Jesus. Ah, another doomsday preacher. Uh, false apostles of darkness. You know, they take someone out of context and just. <laughs> but you guys get my point, you know. I don't, I don't need to say that. Like I said, I never enslave myself to any, any words. I don't need to say it. So I'm not so addicted that I must enforce that narrative. I, don't, I can say the same thing in a million ways, right? The point I'm trying to make is that God wants to get us to become people who are beyond the need for correction, the need for, for help. Do you, you want to be a charity case forever? You need to go beyond that. When you yourself now start to give charity to people, that's when you have really shown the fruit of what was planted in you. I love what Jay-Z brags. There's a song he just released right now. He was just bragging. <laughs> he said, yeah, you know, the billionaire circle, you know, Kanye made a billy. Rihanna made a billy, you know? Now, not glorifying 
everything he does in his life. But that principle, I'm glorifying it, where his boast is not just in his accomplishments, but in the accomplishments of others because of him. That's what Paul meant when he said, you people are my letter of validation. You are the ones that verify me as a teacher, as an apostle. You. The 12 apostles are the ones that verified Jesus as an apostle, as a teacher, as a prophet. Because a tree is always known by its fruit. The 12 apostles were the fruit of Jesus. They testified of his glory. Do you understand? So when Jay-Z met Kanye West, he might might have been a charity case. When Jay-Z met Rihanna, she might have been a charity case. But look at these situations now. They're the ones giving charity to us. That's how it is in the kingdom of God. We can't be that intercessor forever. Come boldly before the throne of grace. Where I now have become that light, that Christ, that son. Because the son of God is not a person, it's a quality of being, it's a nature, it's a character, it's a spirit that we put on. And as we put that on, we will not fulfill the loss of the flesh. And if we don't fulfill the the loss of the flesh, how can the law be against us? The fruit of the spirit are joy, long-suffering, patience, etc., etc. Against such, there is no law. But, But concerning drunkenness, revelry, idolatry, pride, outbursts of wrath, there will always be a law for that. So I hope that this has really educated us on a lot of things. There are some things inside of us that has guaranteed some thorn in the flesh circumstances that we must go through. And God himself prepared it for us. And in that moment, righteousness has to come out. That's what the Bible calls the hidden riches of darkness. Joseph acquired the riches of darkness. Moses acquired the riches of darkness. Jesus acquired the riches of darkness. David acquired it. He said, you prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Where most people are defeated is where I got my strength. Where most people give up on you and revile your name is where I was empowered. The riches of darkness. This is how it is with God. This is how it is with God. This is how it is with God. And when the positive outcomes come, we have to remember what caused them. God told the Israelites, if you keep to my statutes, it shall be well with you in the land. The wellness came as, a, as an effect of the cause of keeping to the statutes of God. But after a while, they forgot what caused their wellness. 
And they began to abandon God's statutes. And then he brought illness to them. Every one of us here, if we are experiencing any kind of wellness, any kind of benefit, any kind of credit, whether in your relationship with your spouse, in your work life, in your work with God, are you all of a sudden experiencing the euphoria of the spirit and everything is opening up? You better remember what caused that. If you stop it, it goes away as quickly as it came. Always remember that law. That in order to sustain positive karma, you must continue to outdo yourself. You have to continue to outdo yourself. By being born into a family, there are things that you have inherited naturally. And you need to be honest about these things and find them out. Physically, you have inherited a lot, of course. Your hair is your mom's or, mom or father's hair. Your eyes there, your nose, your skeletal structure, etc. But beyond that, even your psychology, there's a lot that's been transferred. There's a lot that you have inherited. There's a need to have an, have an understanding of all these things, to see what needs to be amplified and to see what needs to be eradicated. To perfect the work of deliverance in your life. So on that note, tonight's session comes to a very wonderful end. And um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. God reveal what we're going to speak about from here on out. But how many of us received the message for today. How many of us received the message for today? How many of us needed to hear the things that were spoken today? Please remember them. Please remember them. I needed to hear the things that were said today. Please remember them. Put them to practice. Put them to practice. This is how real deliverance happens. Don't wait for someone to lay hand on you so that you can fall down. There's a place for that. But if you fall down and you go back to do what they delivered you from, what's the point? The real deliverance is the transformation of the mind. And I pray that God gives us all the grace. I pray that God gives us all the grace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That fortitude to confront ourselves and defeat ourselves to the glory of God. May we receive that fortitude in the name of Jesus to break cycles in our bloodline that have brought ends to our mothers, fathers, uncles, aunties, cousins. 
May the entrance of us into that family, or may our entrance into that family, bring an end to such cycles in the name of Jesus. May our eyes be open to the things that have been servicing that altar. Because for evil to perpetuate itself in a bloodline, there must be something that is recharging it over and over again. May we discover how we have played part in that. And may God give us the strength to divert our attention from those areas and put our focus towards him. In the name of Jesus Christ. The generation after us will be different in the name of Jesus. They will be children of light. They will be children of wisdom. They will be children of knowledge of understanding. They will be children of the fear of the Lord. They will be signets of God's power upon the earth. There will be lights in their generation. They will not be victims of the spirit of the age. There will be Moseses and their borrowers in their time. Releasing the people from spiritual captivity. Appearing to erase the depths of generations. May we stand as lights in our homes. May we stand as Christ in our homes. Ushering in the salvation of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. And amen. 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 So I know some of us might have, does anyone have any question? First of all, does anyone have any question? Does anyone have any question? Does anyone have any question? I'll say for time six, maybe write it in a Telegram group chat, but does anyone have a question? Do you have a question? You can raise your hand. I'm surprised, I'm surprised that there were very few questions. I'm surprised that there are very few questions. I know someone asked a question earlier about how when one marries a person, do they inherit? Of course you do. Not even marry, just from sex. From sex, your, your karma is already intertwined with another person. 100%. 100%. No? That's a question I saw earlier I forgot to respond to. But the answer is yes. The answer is yes. The person you have sex with there's a great exchange that has happened because there's been an, a mingling of your blood. Data that is in both of you has exchanged between yourselves. From the realms of the spirit, the blood is looked at as the flash drive of data. And sex is the transference of that data between two peoples. That's why the Israelites, they like to yoke themselves to other people. And if you see any other tribe that considers themselves to be sacred, go and check them. They didn't like to mix because of this principle I'm explaining now. Because the moment you merge with them, you inherit. There's an exchange. Like Jesus Christ and Barabbas, there's an exchange. So let us know this. Let us know this. But that's a different conversation entirely. That's a different conversation entirely. Okay, so before we go, I would like to hear three people just say one thing that stood out to them in this lecture today something that really struck them.
this is a point where I'd like to hear from us to know how we received. There's obviously going to be that. I'm, I'm, you guys still owe me a lot of writing. For those of you who haven't written yet, I'm, I'm, I am waiting for your writing. I, I don't want to have to start calling names, but you know yourselves. Don't let me start calling people out, you know? So, yeah. I'm waiting for your writing, you know? Um, but yeah, I want to hear from three of us here. Raise your hand without me having to call your name. I need three people who can say one thing that really stood out to them. Please don't let me have to call anyone's name. Don't let me have to do that. I need three people who can raise their hands and tell me one thing that stood out to them over the course of this conversation. Dan, go ahead. Okay, good evening. I, I hope you can hear me, Loud and clear. Anyway, so for me, I think everything just comes, um, uh, how do they say it, full circle, um, about the importance of our actions. Um, and not just this session, I think <laughs> I can tie it in with a lot of things I've heard from you yes, and a lot of other people. It's like the importance of our actions. A lot of times we tend to say, oh, because they did this, I'm going to do this and because they did. And, and most times we use that to justify doing something, something that is entirely wrong. But then it's, I had this um, thought in my mind a couple of weeks ago. It's like, I want, I have a farmland and I want apple to grow, but then I'm planting orange because I see orange growing in somebody else's farmland or I see somebody else planting orange and it's like, oh, damn, why don't you have apple? I thought you wanted apple and it's like, oh, I saw James planting orange, so I thought to plant orange as well. So yeah, it, it just comes full circle to me. Like, just be, there, there was something you said um, a couple, maybe two years ago, let me say a couple of years ago, um, about how what someone does tells us about them, but what we do tells us about ourselves. So yeah, that's it. Awesome, awesome, so good, Dan. Awesome, God bless you for that. God bless you for that. Two more care. Good evening, Shaka. Good evening. <laughs> wow, tonight was really hard. <laughs> I mean, for me, it was like, you know, when you've been deluding yourself, you know, mm. his grace is sufficient for me. You know, all those things we tell ourselves and we quote all these Bible scriptures and <laughs> we see ourselves like as if we are helpless victims that don't have like anything to do in in the scheme of things i mean look at like perfect example a couple of days ago i mean i went for this convention i came back you know feel that was like ah this convention awesome you know <laughs> and then i got back and i was seeing my friend off and the megad from the other compound <laughs> they were standing in front of my house you know with some questionable character. So I was like, okay, move to your office. Or mother allowed the guy just, ah, he just started abusing me. I didn't even know when the screw dropped in my brain. And miss why I be, ah, I said, you okay? Ah, you just came back from the convention. <laughs> I, I feel so horrible. Like, apart from the fact that, you know, I shouldn't even be doing that with Amy God. I mean, and then I did that. 
again after all the anointing. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, I beat myself up for, for, for days. I was like, oh my God. But tonight I just, everything just made sense because there's something in me that God is trying to, to, to kill basically. Yeah. And maybe I'm refusing it, it, it from everything you've said, clearly it is pride. Mm-hmm. Pride that how can this person, you know, I don't want to use the word that was in my head. How can this person be talking to me like this? Who do you think you are? I mean, I can, you know, you, you know the way we go. I can lock you up if yes, I sir. want to, you know, all, all, all that. And then tonight it was just like, you know, those, I was justified in my anger, in my, mm. you know, but come on, come on. Like tonight, and then again, it's just that forgiveness is not complete. Of course, God will say, I forgive you. But then the ball is then in your court to actually complete the forgiveness. So it's yeah. a two-way it's 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 two people involved in this dance god and yourself when god starts the process you it is up to you to either complete it or not and the fact that what we say his grace is sufficient for yes of course his grace is sufficient for you not to go back like me going to abuse that may god i mean his grace was supposed to help me not to do that (laughs) to actually hold my tongue and not stoop to that level to actually do that. Now, that's what his grace is for. It's not for me to continue in that habit and thinking, um, yeah, God, God would, God, God understands. He sees that's not the kind of person I am. I, I'm not that. Yeah, I'm that kind of person, and I need to work on myself. So for me, it was just, it was, it was, it was hard tonight. I won't even lie. <laughs> it was hard, but it was needed. It was needed. So thank you very much. I thank God. I thank God. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. So I need one more person. Who's the final person going to be? Who's the final person going to be? This is the point when I hear from us. Okay, Joshua. Um, okay, hi. I Hello. hope everyone can hear. Yes. Okay, so I think one of the parts that really stood out for me is quite similar to um, what Chumoke said, was about the area of self-control. Um, I've, I've always, you know, tried to battle it. Sometimes, most times, I don't like to, like, involve myself in things or to say things because I just feel that I might not like the repercussions or I might just want to avoid it for now. And... For some time, I was always praying that God, it's either I should have said something then or I shouldn't have. But even seeing now that self-control being a fruit of the spirit, I feel that for I feel that it now hits home as to things that were actually avoided those times by not actually talking. And I just figured out that you know that there are times when there are times when I just sit down to reminisce on things I should have probably said or I could have said. And then I also tell myself that, wow, if it had come back, if it had come up in this other way or in another way, it could have been very bad and, you know, very detrimental. So I think if there's nothing else, this is probably one of them. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So good, so, so good. So, so good. God bless you, Joshua. So good, so good. 
So good. Awesome. What an awesome time. What an awesome time. Yeah, on that note, our session comes to an official end. Like I said, I'm still waiting for all our write-ups. I'm waiting for it. Dan, I'm waiting for yours, right? Uh, Egon, I'm waiting for yours. Jumaka, I'm waiting for yours. Hesse, I'm waiting for yours. Doye, waiting for yours, right? So I want to know how we've learned or how we've understood all that's been taught. And I and I, I'm looking forward to hearing our reflections. So um, so yes, on that note, on that note, um, we close with a prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for another time of learning, of communion. We thank you for just filling this space with your word, Jesus. We thank you for shining your light, your revelation upon us. Thank you for the spirit of repentance that you allow to bask in our midst, O oh God. May we always remember, O oh God, to do the right thing. May we not be afraid to do the right thing, even in the face of negativity. Father, give us the strength to always choose you no matter what, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May every word that you've spoken to us today be like a good seed that plants into a ready soil and let it bloom into a beautiful tree in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. 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 All right, people of God. I wish you all a very lovely evening.